Welcome to the Limitless Grit Podcast, where we have conversations with social entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and ordinary people who are achieving extraordinary results. And now, here is your host, Shristi Gajarel. Hey, what's up, everyone? Shristi here, and welcome back to the Limitless Grid Podcast. As promised, today is March 4th, and I will start publishing Series 3 of my podcast. And, you know, just want to give you a little background. For past three and a half months, I've been traveling and also interviewing people in different parts of South Asia. So I was in Tibet. Um, I just went to Tibet for travel purposes. Then in Nepal, I got to interview Ms. Pushpa Basnit, Ani, uh, Mr. Binod Choudhury, and I got to interview Mr. Rajiv Shetty and Ms. Anuradha Koirala in Nepal. And it's just been absolutely incredible. I'm actually in Bali right now, and I'm also trying to interview some people here. But um, this past few months has been full of growth, full of adventure, full of doubts as well. But I'm so grateful that I took a leap of faith. I quit my job, and I'm doing something that I've been wanting to do for a long, long time. So let me talk about today's episode. So in today's episode, I have Mr. Binod Choudhury. So I read his book, Make It Big, when I was in New York City, and I was truly inspired by his vision and his goal. And he comes from Nepal, where I come from, and Nepal has a GDP of $29 billion a year. So it's a really small economy, yet he was able to not just create an empire, but thrive and also become the first Nepali billionaire, which is absolutely incredible. So I was really fascinated by his thinking and by his mindset, and I really wanted to meet him and learn from him. So I reached out to his team, and it took us a couple of months, but I was able to to get his time, and me and my aunt went to New Delhi, and I got to interview Mr. Binod Choudhury, and he is a humble, humble Man, he is so kind, and he not only gave me an hour of his time, but he also took me and my aunt to an art show to meet the Renaissance Man of India, Mr. Rajiv Shetty, who I also got to interview. And, you know, we spent almost seven, eight hours, and it was incredible to see how he made decisions. I saw his schedule, and he has almost a year and a half plan. So most of the time when we see someone successful, we think it's an accident, but it's actually not. Mr. Soudhury knows what he's doing till April of 2019, and that was like really incredible to see. And I just got to learn so much from him, and I truly, truly owe him a depth of gratitude. And I hope you guys get out of this podcast as much as I was able to get out of it. And without further ado, Mr. Binod Choudhury, everyone. Rochi, thank you so much for your time. I've been trying to get your time for the past five months, and I'm so glad we could finally do this. So thank you so much. No, I'm so... I must apologize. I don't know why it took that long. You know, someone someone coming from Nepal, from America, U.S. all the way, and doing such a great work. We should have met earlier, and I shouldn't have put you into this trouble of traveling all the way. You really don't need to apologize because you are so busy and... As I've read your book and I've done so much research on you, so it has been an honor. And I want to start by this question. In one of your old interviews, you said, um, right? So you are like Ronaldo in your own field and you are an exception. So is your view changed about that? Well, I did say that and I still 
maintain because you know why you have to understand that in contest you know to be you may be a great sportsman mm-hmm. like today suddenly nepal has produced one some of the finest cricketers mm-hmm. right sandeep lamichani you know about him <laughs> recently i think i think all of you should uh, you know our uh, nepalese diaspora will be i'm sure they know but mm-hmm. they should know more about it first time in the history ever ipl has bought sandeep lamichani from nepal oh, uh. an 18 or 19 year old who is going to play the ipl tournament here so it is i mean you know the contest is that to be make it big to make it big you need a bigger playing ground mm. so generally even if you are the best player you can't find your match you know which pushes your skills and mm-hmm. and challenges you to play in that wider mm-hmm. uh, spectrum mm-hmm. that's true i still believe that it's very very difficult i mean sometimes destiny do give I mean, you know uh, un- great unprecedented situations and probably uh, you know my life is all about that nepal uh, as you know when nepal was struggling insurgency maoist movement there was limited things that one could do mm-hmm. uh, and uh, here was a man you know come coming from a small country mm-hmm. but with big dreams yeah so somehow the boundaries of nepal were not capable of limiting my aspirations you know and i decided against all odds against uh, even even uh, the prevailing laws at that time mm-hmm. you know for a nepalese to take a plunge in the international market i decided to go out so it's one of those but you can do it yeah. so i think probably i should rephrase <laughs> i should rephrase that ordinarily It's very difficult, but you can still do it. Yeah, and in the 1990s, what made you to leave Nepal and you know put your hands in international businesses? Two reasons. One, I felt that uh, like any any other uh, anybody else from any big country or prosperous country, I think Nepalese have no reason why they shouldn't start a multinational. Mm-hmm. We should open frontiers. We should go out and. sell whatever we've got we've got talent skills brands mm-hmm. management know how entrepreneurial initiatives whatever so uh, that was the desire to grow and create the first multinational was one mm-hmm. and secondly also honestly speaking life was becoming difficult so we didn't want to fold up we wanted to continue to struggle the our private industrial park had already started that mm-hmm. time uh but it was not moving forward at the pace i wanted uh things were difficult you know half of the time the country used to be closed you know so huge amount of issues which any country goes through so mm-hmm. i have no qualms and complaints about it but i wanted to use our creative energy when i say ours I mean not only mine the energies of the family and organization for a bigger purpose it's like one thing that i absolutely love about your story is that you turn every oppression into an opportunity so in 1990s when there was trouble in nepal you're like okay let me go out there and try different fields or whenever there is something difficult in your life you try to create an opportunity out of it is that something that you consciously do or is this something like a second second nature for you i think it comes from within you know people i'm mean, you are thrown in the middle of a situation which 
most people will think, my God, I mean, you know, where, where have I got myself into? I mean, is it worth, is it worth uh, staying in here or even, even taking the next step? Mm-hmm. But the way my mind works that, what is it that we can do here? So you look at the solution. Yeah. And, and I also feel that wherever there is a problem, wherever the environment is difficult, that's where your rewards are going to be bigger. Okay, and there is that's going to be a huge entry barrier for others. That's what is going to give you a kind of an open field. Okay, it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. And as they say, you know, when the journey gets tough, the tougher gets going, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I've never been. Uh, I'll give you an example. I mean, I'm sure you've read about my Sri Lankan mm-hmm. story, right? I mean, Sri Lanka was going through a phase which not even the Sri Lankans wanted to touch. There were war for years. Yes, there was war for years. Six aircrafts were bombed the same year at Colombo Airport. Wow. And, and uh, people were just leaving the country, you know, the hotels were closing down. And that was the time the Taj offered to partner. I wanted to bring them to Nepal, uh-huh. but they said, uh, Nepal, like, we can't do it. We, have a, we are bound by our contracts. So, but if you want to come, come to Sri Lanka. I'm very, very, uh, you know, yeah. I, mean, I appreciate from their perspective, but a, not a very fair proposition, you know. But I said, sure, let's go and look at it. And when I went to Sri Lanka, I'd been there once, but on a very short trip. You know, the, I somehow felt that, my God, this is what a beautiful country, beautiful people, great fundamentals. No wonder Lee Kuan Yew had once said, you know, I think in 19, uh, I think 50s when he visited Sri Lanka, mm-hmm. that if someday I can make Singapore like Sri Lanka, I'll be proud. Wow. That's what Lee Kuan Yew of Sri Lanka, Singapore had said. Wow. So I remember those words. I saw the fundamentals. I said, this, can't, can't, this country can't be made victim of this insurgency for far too long. It's a fate. So if we can survive... If we can survive, we can, will be the winner. And that was my time to negotiate a good deal. And that's how I took it. You know, otherwise, why should Taj, a group like Taj, I mean, invite an entrepreneur from Nepal with yeah. no hotel background to come and partner with them? Yeah. Do you think they'll invite me to come and do, open up a hotel in Mumbai? No. no Neither my resources at that point of time would allow me to yeah. do that. So that was my best opportunity. Even with YY, right? So mm. the guy who owned YY in Hong Kong, he was like, that would be the biggest mistake. Thailand, mm. sorry. He said that would be the biggest mistake of your life to bring a noodle company in Nepal. Yes. But you saw the opportunity. So millennials right now who are listening to this um, podcast or mm-hmm. YouTube, like, can they develop that kind of intu- uh, intuitive energy? Or is that something that you think you just had it? It is uh, intuition. You're right. Because I always maintain that the feasibility of YY was done by looking at a product travel on the baggage belt of Tribun International Airport, you know. No KPMGs and PWCs. Mm -hmm. And I I was wondering that why is it that everybody who goes to Thailand and not that, Mm -hmm. you know, even those days, although Nepal Airline had started, Thai had started, and a lot of Nepalese had started traveling, but they were still maybe probably in thousands, not even in hundreds of thousands. If each one of them is bringing this noodle, there must be something. Mm-hmm. So that was my 
conviction and uh, this gentleman you know highly experienced he said you will go burst <laughs> if you go into this business and you the minimum capacity is 30000 packets a day oh wow okay and no way nepal can afford it nepal can afford it not even uh, nepal can consume that volume because what he saw yeah. you know when he went around kathmandu streets and you know the outlets mm-hmm. and today we produce 2.2 billion packets wow and not only in nepal we without any doubt we remember we we have a massive market share i mean leader by far india we have 27% we have nine plants in india adding the 10th one and uh, 27% market share maggie just 43 uh-huh. and uh, we determined that by 2020 we'll reach a 40% level which will make probably us the yy the yy from nepal the number one brand in india i'm no doubt it's going to happen <laughs> soon but even with yy it's been here for like decades and it's still number one and there were hundreds of um noodle company that came after who were trying to take over yy and but yy has still been one and i have no doubt the quality is amazing cuz we love yy but is there how do you plan your business strategy to be number one for so long cuz there is no doubt that's just not luck i think you got to preempt situations you know you got to preempt you got to plan of course i mean nothing happens by fluke mm-hmm. okay you got to carefully plan where you want to be you wait i mean what will it take to get there mm-hmm. you know people so lightly take the word use the word vision you know so easily everybody talks about vision but what is vision mm-hmm. vision is seeing into the future and creating a very systematic and a very reliable road road map that's what is vision mm-hmm. if you can deliver to deliver a future that you have envisioned for yourself or for your company or for your brand or even for your country mm-hmm. okay i mean what you, what will it take how do you put those resources together so likewise i think we have been proactive we've been able to uh, deliver a product which is unmatchable you know we not we say that we're not maggies of the world you know we are completely different mm-hmm. but maggie too okay because our product is so unique our offering is so unique and and i must acknowledge because many of uh, my brothers and sisters all over the world who have tried were fans of yy they are the real marketeers of yy they are the ambassadors of yy i have to have acknowledge this always that yy is one product which has been built by its fan they mm-hmm. carried it physically yeah they used to carry initially from uh, you know kathmandu when we started that phaisapati yeah. plant uh, to darjeeling kalimpong bangalore or wherever they went for studies the only thing they lost for from their parents kichayo vanda hai yy padhai dinu sonte and that's how and this and there is a three there is a breed of three generations mm-hmm. over the last 37 years okay we've taken yy all over the world as a matter of fact i think it will be fair to say that we've been following our loyal consumers mm-hmm. wherever they go we go there absolutely my parents have been in america for more than 20 years and we used to send them yy as well so yeah. it's 
everyone who lives in another country where there's no Wi-Fi, we always send them. True. So that that's a unique uh, sort of a situation, you know, and we are so grateful and we are so proud. And uh, I think it's become a staple food. It's become the life of people, you mm-hmm. know. Waiwai is synonymous with every Nepali, and Nepalese are synonymous with Waiwai. Yeah. And that's what makes us so proud. Absolutely. We have, you know that, we've produced, we're producing in Europe. We are now going to produce this year in Bangladesh and then in Egypt. Our plan in by 2020 is to have nine different production centers apart from India and Nepal and uh, make it a truly a global brand. In New York Stock Exchange. And list it in the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> Um, I want to and we're very much uh, moving in that direction. See, that's what I think that this is where I like to connect your question that, you know, why, how, how come the journey has been successfully moving forward? I mean, when we plan something, when I plan something, we make sure that we are without faltering, without bringing in any kind of a confusion. We are, we are on course. Mm-hmm. There will be problems. There will be obstacles. There will be even even artificial obstacles which will be put on your way. But as I've said in my book, what I learned in my life, that you should do your best to remove those obstacles. Okay? But if somebody tries to block me, I'll jump over and still get there. Wow. That's, I think, long and short of it. If you abandon your journey, you'll never make it. Is there times where you want to give up? Or is there times where you are like, so Dan, what do you do? I, it, I mean, you know, I, it has at times I felt feel very disappointed and very sort of disheartened that even something right we're trying to do, yeah. you know, somehow situation is not helping, or people are trying to create artificial mm-hmm. unfair uh, obstacles. But again, next moment I'm back with it. It gives me an added sense of energy that come on, fight back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask you this question. You are not just a businessman. You you are a singer. You used to go to India just to watch movie, and <laughs> you are really into movies as well. So, do you think your artistic side has helped you to be a better businessman? Probably yes. I think life is all about balance. You know, life. I've stated it. I've talked about it, I've written about it. Life is like a tent, you know, which has five poles. Okay? And a properly pitched tent is can only happen if each of these poles are properly erected and they're strong. Mm-hmm. Life is exactly the same. You know, there is a private part of your life. You know, you may be a loner, you may be a singer, you may be, you know, a writer, you may be whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Then there is a family part of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Father, mother, wife, children, whatever. And then there is a social part of your life, which is a larger sort of a section of the society with whom you mingle, maybe because of you, you are a, your business associates or if your audience or your, not audience, business associates or friends mm-hmm. or relatives, you know, little distant relatives. And then you have a public life. Public life is this life, right? Absolutely. And there is a perception and people do try to draw uh, images from of the people and if and you got to 
handled that properly. You've got to live up to that expectation. Mm. And most importantly, the central pillar is what? The professional part of your life. (laughs) You've got to be, you've got to be professionally strong in whatever you do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's whole, that keeps the family together, that keeps friends and public perception, everything together. But that's not the only thing that you should be uh, living for. Okay, that's a means of keeping the life balanced. Mm-hmm. There's another angle to it. And I guess it's can, it can be stretched a little bit. You know, that the artistic part or passion, you know, what you enjoy doing, I think that makes you, uh, that makes your life fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Okay, the emptiness in life is what eats you up. Okay, but there is another angle to it is spirituality. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've learned after... You know, I came closer to my Guru Sri Sri Ravi Shankar of Art of Living. There is a spiritual journey to life. You know, my Guru tells me, and I completely agree, that sometimes our daily life or our professional life, you know, it's like when you look at a cloth that you wear, okay, there are two parts of it. One is cutting it and then stitching it back. So he says that, Look, your professional life is like cutting things all the time. Mm. You know, dry and cut and saying, doing this, 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 boom, 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 boom. And then spiritual part of life is stitching it back nicely, you know, for the larger good. Thinking of something beyond what you see in front of you. Because I think the world is not all about material uh, sort of, uh, you know, presence. I think it's much more than that. And that's what keeps the life going and the world going. So I think these are very, very important facets in life. And this only strengthens if someone thinks that it's a waste of time and you have to move on after a particular phase, you have to move on to the next phase. I don't believe in that. I think you have to carry on with all these as a part of your life. What do you do to strengthen your spiritual journey on a daily basis? I pray. I pray. Uh, I do my yoga, I do my Sudarshan Kriya, which is taught by my guru, mm-hmm. Art of Living. And uh, I go to my temple every day, even for five minutes. Yeah. And uh, so I do my prayers before I go to bed. Is that the I, 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 I remain connected, let's mm-hmm. put it this way. Different people have different ways of being connected. Mm-hmm. Some people can go to temple and stay there for three hours and do, you know, that's also fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, I feel connected even while traveling. I feel connected wherever I am. It's there. Was this always there? Or, um, you Did you turn on to your source or your spirituality when you became really successful and you felt like something was missing? I've always, I wouldn't say that I was a fanatic in terms of, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm no, not a fanatic even now, <laughs> by the way. No, meaning like I didn't believe in gurus and things like this. Mm-hmm. But I've always been religious. I believe that there is something which is supernatural in this world. My father was a very religious man. He used to go to Pashpatinath temple every day. Mm-hmm. He walked to, he used to walk to Pashpatinath until he was, I think, about 60. Mm-hmm. And then he started driving, etc. Towards the last days of his life, we used to take him in his wheelchair. Mm-hmm. He died at 93 just two years ago. So we've been, you know, you, you somehow inherit those value systems, mm-hmm. you know, where what you see, you do, right? 
but uh, it really uh, i mean but i came closer to this journey after i met sri shri ravi shankar and that's not something you plan mm-hmm. if it has to happen in your life it will happen that's what is called guru calling but i'm sure it was a special moment when you met your guru though actually no i was i, I didn't want to even meet you know i was pushed by a friend of mine uh you have to meet him and you know he's coming in delhi i'll take you personally kavita khanna vinod yeah, khanna's wife yeah. i couldn't say to no you know couldn't say to no to her i went there and there his he had his devotees sitting all around you know and there was a system which i do you know take off your shoes and uh dogni ki sort of pay your respect by bowing down mm-hmm. and then you sit on the floor Guru was sitting on top, but there was a chair. I straight went into and take out the shoes, sat next to him, <laughs> and he was also happy. He started talking, and all his devotees bring breakfast for him. He said, "We not cook now," and he started feeding me. Yeah, and we talked about social, religious to political life of Nepal, etc. So the, my first meeting was like meeting someone important, but nowhere close to how I feel about him now. but then it started to grow then he came to nepal i was with him most of the time and i could see that how he's inspiring people around there is a completely different set type of energy around it man you know it's not like any other ordinary group or self styled groups yeah that's awesome i want to go back to um you inspiring people there are i think 60 lakhs nepali who are living abroad in different countries and a lot of them are millennials and i mean i want to do so much for nepal and i have so many friends and we want to make a tangible impact as well so what advice would you give to nepalis living abroad who want to contribute to the country what would be the best way to do that you know i've said this before I mean you know you should first of all grow out of this complex and many of the people I find who worked hard you know who went out at a very difficult time not only difficult time I mean even even financially it was not easy for them to go out mm-hmm. there are people who are exploiting them all over all the time I think the trouble begins from the time you start thinking of going out you know there are brokers there are immigration officers there are employment agents and so so you been there you go you've gone there you managed to you know struggle you put together you know what it takes to live a dignified life i think that's a great contribution in itself mm-hmm. now your job is to make nepal proud wherever you are okay earn good name for yourself build a lot of resources financial resources academic resources knowledge intellectual capital whatever you may call it mm-hmm. okay and make nepal proud great anywhere you are you know a little nepal beautiful nepal same like our nepal and the day will come when nepal will call you mm-hmm. when things are right when nepal needs you when nepal will can offer you that you know opportunity where you can use the resources you've generated you've learned and you will be able to multiply that's what happened to china mm-hmm. okay absolutely china china used to get about 10 times more fdi not from anybody else majority of that used to come from the chinese wow. so i see 
I see uh, I see the same thing happening. I was in on a roadshow in uh, US. I think it was uh, when my book was launched uh, about two years ago mm -hmm. in, in New York. Forbes had hosted me. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how we missed you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then what happened was uh, then, then they were, I was invited to speak at different uh, places all over US. And I met thousands and thousands of Nepalese and I was so happy, I can't tell you. That Nepalese have really, I, have, I saw Nepal that I wanted to see, I saw Nepal, real Nepal that I always dreamt of mm -hmm. in US. Wow. Everybody is so positive thinking, everybody is so energetic, everybody is so entrepreneurial, everybody is feel so proud creating wealth. Mm -hmm. In Nepal, it's almost, I mean, you know, there is a big psyche that as if creating wealth is a crime, you know. Yeah. Okay. And that's a huge problem that we have to deal with. The bureaucracy feels that. Parts of the bureaucracy, you know, there are good and bad people everywhere. The politicians think that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Although they themselves are indulged in that, you know, many of them again. So my point is, I think we are doing, a, we, are, we are doing making Nepal proud already. Mm -hmm. I mean, whether your children, you, your parents have been in the government service or teachers or doctors or engineers, I find that the Nepalese are becoming entrepreneurial. I met somebody in, uh, I think, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I think he owns 80, 90 gas stations or uh, small, uh, you know, what you call that? 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know him? I mean, I heard. About yeah, yeah, I talked about interim, him. Yeah. I talked about him recently. I was told that someone owns some 70, 80 gas stations. Wow. There's so. I mean, you go everywhere, and Nepalese are beginning to make a mark. Yeah. So, no matter what, I mean, you know, there's some people even within the NRN. Mm -hmm. They have this. Oh, we couldn't go back, and you know, they were apologetic when they are on the you know, national or international platform that we couldn't do much for Nepal. You're doing it. You're creating wealth. You will that belongs to Nepal. I think Nepalese, even after living abroad all the life, if you ask them what is your last desire, the answer will be I want to go back to Nepal. So I am I would encourage all of you to build a beautiful little entrepreneurial, vibrant, prosperous Nepal that all of us can be proud of. Yeah. Is that one of the reasons you're so involved in politics? Because to truly develop a country, you have to have good legislation. Yeah. You know, uh, I've, I've said this before and I'm saying this again to this audience. Uh, that first of all, this is the community which is going to help Nepal. Because they are, this is community which stands on its own feet. Okay, you cannot mislead this. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the 6 million Nepalese, okay? Mm -hmm. They are well educated, they are well exposed. They know who to back. They know talent. Mm -hmm. They know what it takes to build a country. Okay, they don't have the biases. Okay, in the name of philosophy A, B, or C, mm -hmm. they don't believe in any ism as such. Mm -hmm. You know, it is the uh, this is these are the qualities. So these, so our non-Nepalese, non-Nepalese Nepalese or Nepalese diasporas need to vote for a change. Mm. So I, I, it hurts me when I read that non-resident Nepalese settled to agree for a kind of a identity for an NRN 
without political power. You know that the constitution doesn't give you the right to sort of, uh, I, I think there are limitations. You, you don't have the right to vote. Mm -hmm. Okay. You, otherwise you have all the rights. Yeah. I think that's wrong. It has to change. Absolutely. Okay. So these are the, these are the things which uh, I think we need to, we need to link with the Nepalese abroad. I think they're, 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 and it's 30% of our GDP, even from a, pure economic sense mm -hmm. and it's still growing it is going to grow um, I also want to ask you one more question so you've talked about hiring K.R. Sharma who was a senior official from Nestle and who helped uh, YY and who helped Chaudhary Group as a whole and you've hired some incredible people for your company so what do you look for when you're hiring someone yeah I mean uh, that was uh, a very I think uh, visionary move I would say you know to have thought of hiring somebody from Nestle mm -hmm. I mean you know at a time when we couldn't really afford it mm -hmm. and the operation was really very small and we were just starting we were planning to launch the YY uh, to thought of bringing in someone who will give us that edge who knows what the competition is doing mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and then do something plus so we needed the knowledge and the know-how, the systems. So it was not easy. I still remember thorough gentleman. I met his uh, nephew recently, actually, after he is no more. Mm -hmm. And his wife lives in U.S. I've kept in touch. Oh, wow. Uh, he used to have two little daughters. They are also settled down in U.S. So recently I tracked him because one of his nephew had... You know, as destiny would have joined the Himalayan airline as oh. a pilot. Wow. So he came after he read the book. He saw the name of Mr. K. R. Sarma. He said, made me. A, he called me and I invited him. And he said, "Sir, I'm his nephew." Wow. I felt so proud of my uncle. Anyway, so that's true. Mm -hmm. I think you need to. It's all about people. I think whenever you are starting, no way you can be a master of all. Uh, you know, businesses, right? So you got to, when you think of doing something, you got to get the best brain in that industry. I think, so having said that, the knowledge, the business specific knowledge is of course very, very crucial. Mm -hmm. But equally crucial to me is loyalty. Okay. Integrity of the person. Mm -hmm. Okay. He has to be, he or she has to be as passionate as I am. <laughs> That, that, you, when you, that you don't sleep and you do daydreaming, you know, all the time. Yeah. Okay. You, you, uh, you love what you are doing. You love your business. Okay. You share the same mission and vision of the company. I think these are the qualities, right? Yeah. So I have a growth mindset. Yeah. And, you know, you said like entrepreneurs are not always bred but born. Do you think you're a born entrepreneur? I think so. No question about it. I think that's true. That's true for people all over the world. I think when I was uh, at the Oxford speaking to the management school students and with the dean, the dean was sitting there and I started my statement by saying, it's there in the net. Did mm -hmm. you see that? I probably have. I've probably yeah. watched all of them. Okay. I said that, look, if you all think that Oxford is going to be made, make you entrepreneurs, you are mistaken. Mm. So everybody's eyes popped out and what is this man saying in Oxford Management School? 
you know people <laughs> you know wait all their lives and parents must be must have or they themselves mm-hmm. you know would have put in their entire life saving to send somebody to oxford and he's saying that he then you know then i started to elaborate okay because entrepreneurial entrepreneurs uh, it's not about what you read in the books okay every entrepreneur who is successful has done things differently okay it is nothing to do with what you learn it's about the fire in the belly like you asked mm-hmm. me the question that why do you always get into you know one of the some of the most difficult environment and still make it yeah which um, entrepreneurial school will teach you to go to colombo at the time five aircrafts are going to be bombed there you know no one mm-hmm. you are you, you 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 these management schools in my opinion put you in a box they train to train you to think very systematically mm-hmm. okay very professionally very in a very very structured manner okay these are required i think these are great qualities to have okay but entrepreneurs somehow are guided by their intuition mm. okay entrepreneurs are uh, um, you know i mean it's how, how do you explain i mean they they do things which normally people will not even think of doing like just imagine Shri Lanka where there was a yes, war yes <laughs> and, and and not only that i mean just think of uh, i mean you do you can read the recent look at elon musk musk right mm-hmm. the recently the tesla fellow yeah the kind of things someone told me recently that i mean you know the kind of new invention that he's thinking about Boring the kind of gaya the, the, the spacecrafts he wants to convert it into he wants to convert it into a human uh, carrier yeah. do you know about it i just finished uh, you know, reading his book okay actually. so so that means he's thinking that this is this used to be converted into debris after it comes back right uh-huh. so it was not when the the, the 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 new technology is to save it and then convert it for human uh transport uh-huh. i'm told that you will be able to travel from london to new york in an hour's time yeah he's working on that he's working yeah. on that what is it can oxford or harvard or wharton teach you to do this no. think like this no <laughs> huh it's all about thinking isn't it Absolutely. it's all about imagination isn't it it's all about a dream no books teaches you how to dream you have to dream yourself and you have to dream consistently you know i i, I remember and i like to share this from uh, the former president of india abdul kalam he says that you dream so big that it doesn't let you go to sleep anymore wow sapna aisa dekho jo ki kabhi sone hi na de absolutely that's how you have to dream and while reading your book what i've learned is like you know like i i think indirectly your network equals your net worth too how important is it to surround yourself with the right people absolutely critical i think you need to you know i think uh, i probably said it somewhere that if you ask me what is what is what is the most critical thing to be successful mm-hmm. or you know beyond a certain scale to be with the right person at the right time okay to be with the right person at the with the right at the right time with the right idea wow yeah that's what makes you what you are wow you may have great ideas but if you 
if you can't network and, and, and put together the resources, it doesn't work, right? Or if you're too much ahead of time, it doesn't work. It has, the time has to be right. Absolutely. And you've consciously tried to be with the right person throughout your life. And you uh, have become the right person as well. <laughs> well, right, what is right is questionable. But you do try to develop a network, okay, where, uh, I mean, which makes it easier. Like at, at 86, I was a YPO, hmm. Young President's Organization's member. You know, it was very, very tough to qualify for that. And I was the only one for many years today. Even India, whole India used to have only one YPO organization in Delhi. Not even Mumbai, not even Calcutta. So yes, definitely, I think, and, and, it's, a, and it's a great experience. Because, you know, I always believe that anybody who has made it, you know, somebody who has made it by cheating, or somebody who has made it by fluke, mm -hmm. will not be able to hold it for too long. Absolutely. Okay, so if somebody has made it big, okay, in any field, there has to be some quality in that person. And that's what you should try to discover. Or generally, these people are very good. Like you said, they're always, they're always loving, giving, they're always prepared to share. Okay, they're always proud mm -hmm. of uh, what they've done. And they like to, and, and their mind is broad. That's what I've found. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but I feel that uh, I've never had problem in making best of the friends with best of the people in this world. Wow. Mm. I think we give to the world what we have in our hearts. So. That's right. And you said that it's easy to climb Everest, but it's really hard to stay on top of it. So, you know, there has to be a conscious effort to be on top. Someone can... And you know why, right? Mm -hmm. I've, I've tried to articulate that. You know, in a, in a, hard, in a very... Philosophical way, you know, it can be the interpretation can be taken uh, beyond, but even in a practical sense, you know, when you go to the, when you climb up to the peak, the wind is so strong, okay, it doesn't let you stay there. And secondly, there's somebody waiting there. The moment you come down, he yeah. or she wants to ascend, okay, so that there is very little space at the top and to protect that space takes so much more effort. Okay, so that, I think that applies in life. The whole world is competing. People are competing. People want that. Want to. You are visible. Mm -hmm. So many. Uh, it makes many happy, but it also makes many jealous. Okay, people gang up to pull you down. There are few people who support you to stay up there. It's tough. I want to ask you a personal question. Mm -hmm. So. You could, you have enough money to buy an island and live there forever and not worry about anyone. But you still spend so much time helping with your organization or giving time to someone like me or put a conscious effort to make sure people's life is better. Why is that important to you when you don't have to? You're right. I mean, I could have chosen back in 1990, you know, to uh, sort of change my base and operate from Singapore or London or New York. Mm -hmm. That's what generally, that's what generally successful businessmen do, right? They, even Indian businessmen, if you look Absolutely. at many of them, or even international. But I was very clear right from the beginning that even if when we wanted to internationalize or make our business globalize, it had to be the first Nepali multinational mm -hmm. from Nepal. That's what makes it so different and so special. 
Okay, I would never ever change my home from Kathmandu for anything in the world. Wow. Okay, I still go back. I tell everybody I have home here, I have home in Dubai, you've seen, you know. But I I go and unpack and pack my suitcase in Kathmandu. And that's what my, where my heart belongs to. Yeah. And that's what and Nepal has given me this identity, you know. Nepal whatever I am today is because of Nepal. No matter what you say. Uh, you know, you can argue that, okay, if one was born somewhere else, maybe, you know, one could have been Ratan Tata or Mukesh Ambani or Bill Gates, but no, I think I'm very happy. Nepal has given me everything and now it's my turn to give it back to my country. It's beautiful. That is beautiful. I want to ask one more personal question. So when I was reading a book with with your wife were you I don't think your dad was accepting of it when you first wanted to marry her but you were persistent that you wanted to marry her and you guys have an amazing family and you're so happy so as a millennial where my parents or my family is trying to ask me to get married or there are I'm sure other people whose family are asking the same thing what should one look in a life partner you know 50% of what you get is your destiny First, you have to be prepared mentally, okay? And then, because, you know, many, there is nothing called what you look for, okay? I think, I think marriages, I still believe that marriages are made in heaven. You do? Yeah, you have to remember this, okay? <laughs> and secondly, of course, I mean, you, you, as an intelligent, mature, stable person, you are going to look for a, the basic qualities in the person, right? Okay, but... Most importantly is how you connect. The trust factor, the mm -hmm. comfort factor, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Hmm? And I think that grows. That grows. And then if provided there is a will to make it. Mm. So it's a lot. The problem that I see in today's generation is you start with a sense of apprehension. It's going to work or not. And you start judging. Even after you are in a relationship. Okay, you, you're too independent. You want to be too independent. And that doesn't help. I think there is a degree of bondage that is very critical. They say that, okay, children become the bondage. Once you are, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, when you have a child, that, and that's true. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, I think it is having accepted somebody as your partner. If you are mentally prepared and mentally determined that I'm going to make this work. And if this this comes, this has to come from both mm -hmm. sides, of course. Absolutely, it will be a beautiful relationship. Yeah, so it's a commitment and work. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think with our generation, we're always looking for more and more, and yeah. sometimes and, and also always judging. You know, the process of accepting and working to make it a, make it the best relationship should stop. Uh, should start, start. Mm -hmm. and the process of judging right, wrong. What is this kind of a person? He or she should stop. Yeah. A point has to come where life has to take change, turn, right? Absolutely. <laughs> like you said with Everest, and when adversity comes, just stick to your ground. Yes. You define what it means to be courageous. What's your definition of courage? Mm, courage is uh, um, not worrying about the consequences and being on course <laughs> and having that confidence in yourself that you will fight this situation and come out as winner. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, you guys, thank you so, so much for tuning into this podcast. And if this podcast has added value in your life in any way, shape, or form, then please, please, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a comment, and let me know what you think about it at limitlessgrit at gmail.com. And I'll talk to you guys next week.